Uh, we are going to be in 1 Samuel today, if you would like to turn there with me. 1 Samuel, and we're going to be in chapter 25. If you'd turn with there, but I'm not going to read just yet. Um, anybody see what this is? Anybody want to know, guess what this is? I know it's really small, right? Hmm? It's a little olive wood cross. Now, if you, if you, when you go to Israel, this is better known as a tourist trap. Okay. <laughs> okay. They take you into Bethlehem, and Bethlehem is certainly a wonderful place in our heritage, in our history. Uh, but what we had is, when you go there, it's actually not part. It's part in Palestine, and, and so it is mostly a Muslim area, and there's a small group of Christians there. And what they do, and what they're known for, is these small shops that they have gathered together in different families, and they make things out of olive wood. And it's, they're very beautiful, and there's a very small, and it takes actually a long time to do this. The wood cracks very easily. And there's other problems, so they dry it even over years, and then they cut it up, and they, they shape it, and they form it, and like I said, the different families do this. Now, I will tell you, if you ever go, and you go to one of those shops, there before they let you really do any shopping, they take you to the back, and they give you one of those sales speeches, okay? I don't know if you've ever looked for, you know, a timeshare or something else, or I literally just got in the mail this week, I got something from Anderson Windows, I don't know if anybody works for them, but, and, and it offers a, a meal at Stables if you could just go and listen to their sales speech. Now, we know those sales speeches are, they're pretty aggressive, right? They have not seen anything until you go and you see this, this, this speech of, of why you should buy all of this wonderful stuff. And it is. And, you know, they bring out ten kids and they start singing in a choir. and they start crying. No, they don't actually do that. They don't actually do that. It feels like they do that, but they don't actually do that. But they, they, they pull at your heartstrings a little bit and, and they want you to spend money. And, and it, it does support a good cause. And so uh, that's part of that. Now you get a lot of that. So it's taken a long time to get these little crosses. And one of the things that we would like to do, we, we did, is we have actually, we have one of these for each one of you. And so before you leave today, we wanted to make you a part of that trip a little bit. And, and uh, so we have some baskets in the back. We'll get by the doors at the end. But don't leave without grabbing one of those. And we'll get those for those that were not here today. But just as a reminder, and it's going to be a part, a little bit of an illustration today as well. Uh, but just have something to look forward to. Try to keep you awake. You can just be thinking about your little cross that you get to take with you. Uh, it's not a big gift, but it is something because we did. We do think about you when we're not here, and we do miss you, and we feel connected to you. Okay, now we are going to get into the scriptures. If you would stand with me for the reading of God's word. If you would drop down, we're going to start here. If you would drop down to verse 20 with me, and we're going to read verses 20, 21, and, and 22, and then we'll go back a little bit. As she came riding her donkey into a mountain ravine, there were David and his, his men descending toward her, and she met them. David had just said, It's been useless, all of my watching over this fellow's property in the wilderness so that nothing of his was missing. He has paid me back evil for good. Then we have these words that uh, when you say them, when you read them, they are powerful and they are 
difficult words. May God deal with David, be it ever so severely, if by morning I leave alive one male of all who belong to him. As hard as it may be, say, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for your written word. We thank you for what it means and directs us in our lives. We thank you so much more for the living word, Jesus Christ, in our lives. Lord, let us continually be filled with his spirit, with his power. We love you, and we give over to you. We pray that you use these words that you have given us to mold us and to shape us into your wonderful image. As in your name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. So that's a very hard part of this story, but I wanted us to start with David's attitude toward this man that you will find to be Nabal. Has anybody heard this story before? This is the story of Nabal and Abigail, and Abigail actually in this story will actually even become one of David's wives. But we see in this story, and we'll read through here, that David's attitude changes a lot. And we don't see that if we only read the scripture that is before us. Too often we fall into that trap as well where we read this one chapter and we just we don't read before and we don't read after. And you've, I know you've heard me. If you haven't heard me, it's because you're not listening. But if you've ever heard me say you need to get the context, you need to go back a couple chapters, you need to read forward, don't just read these ones. And this is a perfect example of this. Because David's attitude toward what would be his enemy and we'll see why, is not good. He has paid me back evil for good. May God deal with David, be it ever so severely, if by morning I leave alive one male of all who belong to him. Does that sound like just the wonderful attitude of Christ Jesus, right? This is the, the, the grace-filled, mercy-filled language of Christ. No, this is not who he has called us to be, even with David, a man after his own heart. See, David falls short at times. He goes in and out. And we see here that he truly goes in and out of this because if we look at chapter 24, it is another fairly familiar story with us. You see, David in this is out and he's running from Saul in, in chapter 24. And he's going with his, his people and they're in these caves and all of a sudden God delivers Saul who is the one chasing him, who is the king, who is the anointed, but David doesn't want to harm Saul because he is the, king, is the king. He is God's anointed. But all of his men around him say, do you not understand what's going on? You see, they've gone into this cave, and while they were shrinking back into this cave, Saul comes in to relieve himself, if you really want to look at the scripture. But while he is doing that, people say, God has delivered Saul into your hand for you to take his life. He is given this opportunity. This is providential. This is, this is for this purpose. And David says, no. That is not my purpose. I have said I will follow this king. I will not cause him harm. He is, the, he is God's anointed. And he cuts off the corner of his garment. And he lets him leave. And later they come out. And he says, Saul, see, understand I could have taken your life, but I know who you are. I know that God has anointed you. I know that it is not my place to take your life. I know that.
that it is not the right time. So he shows him God's grace, and he shows him God's mercy. He did not deserve that. He was chasing after David to kill him, right? So he, he didn't deserve that, but David showed that. He did show that he was a man after God's own heart in that chapter. And then if we would skip forward to chapter 26, does anybody have little titles in their Bible? What is the title of this next chapter? Thank you, Mike. David again spares Saul's life. So we see in chapter 24, he spares his life. We see in chapter 26, he again is given over to him. He is put before him again. And again, he says, no, this is the one that God has anointed. I will not take it. See, he had, he, Saul was asleep with his men, and they came down. A spear was by his head. He had other things around him, and they could have killed him. His men tried to, and again, he says, no, this is not who I am called to be. This is not who I am in Christ at that time, in God's name. And he spared him, and again tells him, I let you go. And Saul both times Saul sees the favor that David has given him. He sees the grace that David has shown him. And his attitude changes, right? But as we find out, his attitude doesn't stay there. Our attitudes don't always stay consistent. Who has a perfectly consistent good attitude in here? What? You serious? I thought everybody would raise their hand at that. Okay, that's a little sarcasm. We don't. But do you bring yourself back to the attitude of Christ? So we see here that David, the man after God's own heart, before and after, chap, I think it's on purpose, that is immediately following, immediately before, has shown God's grace, has known that, but only because it's God's anointed, that he's scared of God, but what he doesn't realize is that he is supposed to have that grace, and he is supposed to have that mercy. He's supposed to have that faith at all times, and there's time, there are times in our lives where we love to show that grace, and we love to show that mercy, but there are also times in our lives where, guess what, we have that person that just rubs us the wrong way, right? Right? Who's got that person, right? It's like Carol Sue, right? She's the one that rubs us. No, see, I can only use you as an example because everybody loves Carol Sue. Because she is wonderful, and we love her. But you do have, and maybe it's me, that's okay. I've rubbed people the wrong way, it's all right. You have people in your life, you even have people within the church that are going to rub you the wrong way. Personalities sometimes just are so different that it makes life hard, it makes tension there. Even within marriages sometimes, we have times where our spouses annoy us. I know I would never do that to my spouse, but it happens, right? It happens that we don't give the grace and the mercy that we are called to in that moment. If we read through here in this story, it says in verse 1, Now Samuel died. There's a lot more there. I haven't heard from Samuel in a while in this. Saul has finally recognized uh, who David is going to be, and Samuel's time and, and his purpose is concluded, and he allows him that this is the time for him to die, but that's not the purpose of this message. And so Samuel died, and all of Israel assembled and mourned for him. And they buried him at his home in Ramah. Then David moved down into the desert of Paran. A certain man in Moah had property there at Carmel, 
he was very wealthy. He had a thousand goats and a thousand sheep. That's a lot of sheep, which he was shearing at Carmel. His name was Nabal, and his wife's name was Abigail. Now, she was an intelligent and a beautiful woman. See, I, I can relate to this guy, right? She was, a, she was an intelligent and beautiful woman. That meant that I relate that that's my wife's like that, not that I am like that. I was making sure you got that. So I can relate to that. She was an intelligent and beautiful woman, but her husband was surly and mean in his dealings. He was a Calebite. Now, I don't want anybody to call me a Calebite anymore. So this, is, this is her husband. He was known to be mean. He was that guy that just rubbed everybody wrong. While David was in the wilderness, he had heard that Nabal was shearing sheep. So he sent ten young men and said to them, Go up to Nabal at Carmel and greet him in my name, saying to him, Long life to you, good health to you and your household, and good health to all that is yours. Now, there's a little bit of interpretation. So maybe David's attitude started, even though if he knew this guy was not the nicest guy, maybe his attitude started good and changed bad, or he knew that he needed to butter him up. He knew that he needed, to try, he needed something for him, so he is trying to put him in a, in a good attitude to begin with. So long life to you, good health to you and your household. Verse 7 says, now I fear that it is sheep shearing time. Now I hear that it is sheep shearing time. When your shepherds were with us, we did not mistreat them. See, they had been going around. They had been running from Saul. They had been on this property. And when you were around, they could have, they had the power to abuse. They could have taken from Nabal's property. They could have used it for food, for whatever. But he said, when your shepherds were with us, we did not mistreat them. And the whole time that we were at Carmel, nothing of theirs was missing. They actually helped them out to protect them. Ask your own servants, and they will tell you. Therefore, be favorable toward my men. Since we come at festive time, please give your servants and your son David whatever you can find for them. When David's men arrived, they gave Nabal this message in David's name. Then they waited. Nabal answered David's servants, Who is this David? Who is this son of Jesse? Many servants are breaking away from their masters these days. Why should I take my bread and my water and the meat that I have slaughtered for my shears and give it to men coming from who knows where? See, we maybe give Nabal a kind of a rough name. I mean, this was his property. This is not something he was obligated to do. So who are these that I would give to them? Now, even though that may be a fair assessment, that is not the heart of God. It is not the heart of Christ. There's no hospitality that would have been required him. There was nothing in their hearts that said, I need to provide, I need to love my neighbor. David's men turned around and went back. When they arrived, they reported every word. David said to his men, each of you strap on your sword. So there's the good Christian reaction, right? There's a good love of neighbor reaction. They won't give us something that's not even ours, so let's go and let's put on our swords and let's attack. So they did, and David strapped his on as well. About 400 men went up with David, while 200 stayed with the supplies. One of the servants told Abigail, Nabal's wife, David sent messengers from the wilderness to give our masters greetings, and he hurled insults at them. 
Yet these men were very good to us. They're affirming what David had said. They were very good to us. They did not mistreat us. And the whole time we were out in the fields nearly near them, nothing was missing. Night and day, they were a wall around us the whole time we were herding our sheep near them. See, this is actually saying David had actually provided a service for them. He didn't just not take from them. He actually was a protector unnecessarily for them, that there was something of an attitude, a heart for Nabal and his men. Now think it over and see what you can do because disaster is hanging over our master and his whole household. He is such a wicked man that no one can talk to him. Now Abigail, remember she was very intelligent. She acted quickly. She took 200 loaves of bread, two skins of wine, five dressed sheep, five seas of roasted grain, 100 cakes of raisins, and 200 cakes of pressed figs. That sounds tasty. I don't know if you've ever had, I've never had that, but maybe it is. And loaded them on donkeys. Then she told her servants, go on ahead, I'll follow you. But she did not tell her husband Nabal. As she came riding her donkey into a mountain ravine, there were David and his men descending toward her, and she met them. David had just said, it's been useless all my watching over this fellow's property in the wilderness so that nothing of his was missing. He paid me back evil for good. Now, before we jump, because this is where we started today, right? Who wants to be in their world and always say this? Who thinks of the other and points the finger? They mean evil towards us. They repay evil for good. Did they not see that I've treated? I shook their hand in the morning. I said hi. I offered, I offered my lunch. I've, offered, I've talked to them. I've shown hospitality to this broken, terrible, dark world. And guess what? Sometimes it comes back and says, I'm going to repay evil for good. Sometimes it says, who are you? Who do you think you are? I'm not going to give over. This is my stuff. I'm not going to share with you. We see, we run into that, and our, our outlook, our response may not be that different than David's. May God deal with David, be it ever so severely, if by morning I leave alive one male of all who belong to him. Well, I tell you, use those words, you better be ready to back them up. Now when Abigail saw David, she quickly got off her donkey, bowed down before David. You see there's something here in her wisdom She's trying to protect not just Nabal and not just herself, but all of these people. He was a wealthy man, had many servants. She is trying to protect their lives because guess what? David says, we're going to get rid of all of these men. So she puts aside her pride. Now, that's an easy thing to do, right? We're all perfect at that. We're all easy at setting aside what is rightfully ours. What we're able to set aside our pride. She fell at his feet and said, Pardon your servant, my Lord. And let me speak to you. Hear what your servant has to say. Please pay no attention, my Lord, to that wicked man, Nabal. This is her husband. He is just like his name. His name means fool. And folly goes with him. And as for me, your servant, I did not see the men my Lord sent. And now, my Lord, as surely as your Lord gives, your Lord God lives and as you live, since the Lord has kept you from bloodshed and from avenging yourself with all with your own hands, may your enemies and all who are intent on harming my Lord be like Nabal. And let this gift, which your servant has brought to my Lord, be given to the men who follow him. Please forgive your servant's presumption. 
The Lord your God will certainly make a lasting dynasty for my Lord. We see some understanding and some wisdom. We see that she recognizes what it took Saul so long to understand. Sir, Saul long, so long to see. She saw what the Lord had in store for David. And she even recognized why. Because the next verse says, because you fight the Lord's battle. And no wrongdoing will be found in you as long as you live. But I think this is my interpretation. She's asking the question right here. Is this the Lord's battle? She says, you have been favored by God. You have been brought through significant victories, which you were the underdog. You have been brought through so much because you have been willing to do the Lord's work. And so if it's the Lord's work, you are to do that. But this is not. See, Saul was not his job. He understood. He saved him. Just after this passage, he saved him. And so he understood that he had a grasp of that. But for some reason in the middle between this, we get in these in-between times in our lives where we've had a victory of we've done well. We've been able to see God's provision. Maybe in a car driving to St. Louis, we've seen God's provision. And later, you know what, next week something else is going to happen and we're going to see God's love. We're going to see his grace. We're going to see his mercy. But not every day and in this middle, he has somehow missed this. And she's asking him, is this the Lord's battle? Or is this yours? So when you come to your next battle, and you go out there and you have your cross, I want you to say, is this the Lord's battle? Or is this pride? And is this my battle? Because if it's his battle, he will bring you victory. If it is your battle, he will bring you downfall. Now thankfully, God puts people in our lives he puts people like abigail he puts people like your brothers and sisters that are with you today to ask and remind you of those questions to hopefully correct you before you make those mistakes the lord your god will certainly make a lasting dynasty for my lord because you fight the lord's battle and no wrongdoing will be found in you as long as you live verse 29 even though someone is pursuing you to take your life. The life of my Lord will be bound securely in the bundle of the living by the Lord your God. But the lives of your enemies, he will hurl away as from the pocket of a sling. You think she knew who David was? These words didn't come from nowhere, right? She knew exactly the history here i don't want us to miss that part she knew who david was and she knew what god had for him she knew that as long as he stayed on his path and did what did what god asked it would be good and she understood something that we need revenge and avenging is not ours we don't have to be the ones we can let god do those things we do not have to repay even evil with evil we are not certainly called to respond evil to good but we are to respond to evil with good i know that was a lot of evils and goods we are to respond to evil with good this is no longer this is even when supposedly eye for an eye right this would have been okay, but that's not even back then. That's not what God wants. God wants us to show his grace and his mercy 
He wants us to depend on him to take care of things, to bring about justice. Let God do that. When the Lord has fulfilled for my Lord every good thing he promised concerning him and has appointed him ruler over Israel, my Lord will not have on his conscience the staring burden of needless bloodshed. How much needless bloodshed have we had in our past lives? Now that's metaphorical, I hope. Hopefully that's uh, not literal, but maybe it is at times, and it certainly has been. And God's grace and mercy and His blood is enough to cover over even those things. But my Lord will not have on His conscience. She is using her wisdom to speak logic to him, to allow him to understand who God is in his life and that God will take care of these things. My Lord will not have on his conscience the staggering burden of needless bloodshed or of having avenged himself. She talked him out of it. To let God do what God does and not try to do what God does ourselves. And when the Lord, your God, has brought my Lord's success, remember your servant. David said to Abigail, praise be to the Lord. Praise be to the Lord, the God of Israel, who has sent you today to meet me. His attitude changed. When our attitude is wrong and our attitude is bad, let us be open to his correction. Let us be open to him sending our brothers and sisters in Christ to us. Let us be open to changing our hearts to be more like his so that we do not have needless bloodshed on our hands, that we do not follow our issues and not follow our pride into difficult days otherwise as surely as the lord the god of israel lives who has kept me from harming you if you had not come quickly to meet me not one male belonging to nabal would have been left alive by gabriel Do you thank God? Do you say praise be to God, the God of Israel, who has sent each of us to stop us when we are ready to go against God's will for our lives? The church is a blessing, and I am so thankful that even when I am corrected by those that are here, then David accepted from her hand what she had been. went to Nabal, he was in the house holding a banquet like that of a king. When we start acting like Nabal, when we don't act like David, when we are not, we are trying to become king. We are trying to be God. We want to be king, and that's where Nabal, that's where his problem really started, is his idolatry of himself, that he wanted to be king. He was in high spirits and very drunk, so she told him nothing at all until daybreak. Then in the morning when Nabal was sober, his wife told him all these things, and his heart failed him, and he became like a stone. About ten days later, the Lord struck Nabal, and he died. When David heard that Nabal was dead, he said, Praise be to the Lord who upheld my case against Nabal for treating me with contempt. Now that seems a little harsh. We certainly aren't praying for those that have opposed us, those that have harmed us to fall over dead in ten days. I certainly hope we don't do that. But the meaning there is that God is the one that dealt with him, not us. 
that we can go in peace, that we can not hold on to grudges, that we can not hold on to these things that only destroy us and give that to God. He has kept his servant from doing wrong and has brought Nabal's wrongdoing down on his own head. There's a lot of lessons. Then David sent word to Abigail, asking her to become his wife. His servants went to Carmel and said, Abigail, David has sent us to you to take you to become his wife. Now, we'll finish with that. Uh, but one thing that I wanted us to go back before we close, because I want us to understand the, the true part of this that, I'm, that I see, hopefully my interpretation is consistent. See, this, this part between David being aligned with God and his heart being lined and showing grace and mercy and him over here showing grace and mercy that he had an issue and guess what we are going to have those days but that we need these people in our lives that that do good and even that do harm see this 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 did not form itself right the, the what we have it may be sandpaper but i think of uh, the illustration I heard that sometimes the people that are in our lives that annoy us, that cause us problems, that cause us trouble, they're really kind of sandpaper in our lives. That they take the hard edges to us. And by interacting with them, that they smooth the rose edges, that they take that hardness and they bring it about and they bring a smoothness to us that is more pleasing. That we become more and more like. We are molded more into the image of God because of what others can do to us. But that tension, that friction, but that we must not allow ourselves to respond in a way not accepting that thing. Because if we do not accept that, then all we do is we're going to crack, we're going to break, we're going to fight against that. But if we allow for those things to happen and do not respond like the world responds... It can actually help us. We can exercise our faith. We can become stronger. We can become more beautiful in his image by that. So I want you to have this cross, not just so that you can have a, a, a something left from a tourist trap. They love to sell these. But as a reminder, are you allowing the things in your life to smooth your edges? Are you allowing God over your pride to deal with those that have harmed you, that have hurt you? Are you responding in the moment with the same grace and mercy that maybe you've had at other times, but this time, is this the battle that God has called you to, or is this your battle? We need reminders in our lives, right? We need to be smoothed. We need to be molded by him. And sometimes he allows this broken world, not causing, but allows this broken world to help mold us, to shape us into his image, to make us more pleasing. And sometimes he gives us one another. But you cannot speak into someone else's life, even within the church, if you've not shown love the rest of the time. That we do not tear one another down. That we do not, uh, we don't have any way to to come. Like I said, you can come to me and say, God, you know what, Pastor? I really think you need to think about this again. And I can respond sometimes and defensively, the same as everybody else, or 
I can also then reflect and say, you know what, is God using this person? Do I trust this person's relationship? I see them praying. I see them reading. I see them doing good for others. I need to listen to this person. This person has been put in my life. They have wisdom. They have intelligence that God has used them to speak to me. But we don't listen if we don't show love the rest of the time. That if we're only always complaining, if we're always only grumbling, as the scriptures would say, then that's going to fall in deaf ears. But if I've shown that love, then I can go and I can correct one another. Even me, we're all in the same thing. And I can use that time. Is this my battle that I'm getting ready to fight? Or is this God's? And too often we're fighting the wrong battles. And I praise God for our church. I praise God that he puts people in my life that will help me out of their great love for me and their great love for God to speak to me. And I pray that that's what we have become to one another and that that's a rarity. That, that it takes 10 times of encouragement. It takes 10 times of patting on the back. It takes 10 times of being on our knees for one another before we ever get to that point where we have that legitimacy. But that we do that, that we build one another up between these good times and these rough times to allow God to be God and not ourselves, to show each other the same grace and the same mercy. If David here would have seen that, he could have shown that grace, he could have shown that mercy, and maybe changed Nabal's heart even. We don't know. He may have been able to do that, but the reason that we do that is what? Because we serve a God that has done the same for us. We serve a God that has hung, that has clung to a cross for our own sins, that he has taken all of those things, he has taken our sin, he has taken our shame, and that we do that because what he has already done for us, that we too can go into this broken world and share grace and mercy even when people don't deserve it. That is what is going to change people's heart. We'd like to think that, oh, Nabal wouldn't have changed if, if David had just shown him mercy. He wouldn't have given him anything, but we don't know that. We go out into a world that is filled with Nabal's. They're filled with people that don't want to give up, that are greedy, that they have got their own riches and they don't want to share them. We go out into a world that is greedy, but guess what? We think their hearts cannot be changed. And if we go that way and think that way, their hearts will never be changed. But if we go out with a different understanding and a different attitude, the attitude of Christ Jesus, guess what? Their hearts just may be changed. And you might have participated in bringing someone from a life that will end in judgment in not a good way, to a life that will end in ever-eternal living with our Creator God. Man, I want to be that kind of person. I don't want to be the kind that gives up on the ball before they ever had the chance. The world is filled with them. Our question is, is it going to be filled with a bunch of Christ to counter that? That is who we are called to be. Amen?
Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you so much for all that you do for us, Lord. We pray that we continue to have reminders in our lives. We pray that we continue to have brothers and sisters in Christ that will lift us up, that will pray for us, that will show us grace and mercy, that will accept our grace and mercy and forgiveness in their lives, Lord, that we are called to be a people that are different, that we cannot look like the world out there. We cannot rely on our own greed. We cannot rely on our own vengeance, Lord. We cannot rely upon ourselves. We must give over to you, submit to you, and allow your grace to be seen. We do not have to fix everything because we can't. But you already have done all that needs to be done to show that to this world, that they may come to know peace and that they may come to know you. Let our hearts be ever changed, be ever softened, be ever molded by you. And we love you and we praise you this day in the wonderful name of Jesus Christ. We're so happy that you've chosen to listen to our sermon today on the platform of your choice. We at Cory Community Church of the Nazarene continue to honor our calling to be kingdom people. We rely upon the gift of the fellowship and community to equip each other to fulfill our mission of reflecting the love of Christ to all those that God has placed within our lives. We welcome you to join us on Sundays at 10.30 a.m. in Cory, Indiana, just south of State Road 46. God bless.